I'm excited about what's going on in the body of Christ. I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about the, the growth that I'm seeing in individuals. I'm excited about the fact that, 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 that there seems to be a thrust of pressing beyond just doing church the way we've always done it. There seems to be a focus on really uh, a closeness and intimacy with God. And, and some things are just on my heart uh, that I wrote down to share tonight. You know, God, God's replacing man's formulas with a true desire for the Father. He's really drawing our hearts and really stirring us to have a, a desire. God's replacing systems with a, a true desire to serve. And when I say serve, I don't mean twice a year we wear matching T-shirts and we go out and do things. We post it all over social media and say, look how good we are. I'm talking about every day of your life looking for ways that you can actually be serving your family, your friends, your coworkers, those that God's put in, uh, in your sphere of influence. God's replacing our reliance on these man-made principles and concepts and ideas, and, and he's given us a hunger for people to reach people. Your Bible says the gifts, plural and singular, uh, the gifts, plural, and calling singular of God are without repentance. We have a multitude of gifts. We have one calling that's to make disciples. Before he ascended to heaven, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm always going to be with you even to the end of this age. And so we know that each one of us, regardless of our background, regardless of our position, regardless of uh, of our education, we all share the same calling, and that is to make disciples. And we know the beginning of that process, of discipleship process, is sharing our faith, sharing our testimony, sharing the truth of the gospel that's found in God's word, uh, and, and helping others find their way to a relationship with God. We know the Holy Spirit's drawing them. They wouldn't be in search of God. They wouldn't be in search of a change apart from the Holy Spirit drawing them. But God does use us in that process, and he uses us to be an encouragement and, and kind of help people get there. So, again, we're all called to discipleship. Step one of discipleship is helping lead someone to the Lord. And then we don't, we don't just leave them there. I know growing up you guys may have experienced this, and, and there was never any ill intent. We didn't mean to do this, but, you know, I'd, I'd go to churches, and every single Sunday, every single message was a you need to get saved message. It, it, the point, purpose of the message was to draw a decision from you. Uh, and, and that was like the end all. Yeah, you got saved. But you know what, man, I, I need to learn. I need to grow. I, I need somebody to walk me along the process. And sometimes we fumbled that through the years. We dropped the ball and, and didn't do that very well. And, and honestly, even now, I, I don't know that we've even recently been that great when it comes to true discipleship. But I believe that God's stirring our hearts up to, to do that. God's replacing bad theology with a hunger for his true word. I'm so excited, man, to know that God is absolutely done with people just mutilating his word, manipulating his word, lying about what his word says or doesn't say. I'm so excited that there's a revival, a restoration of a hunger for the truth of God's word. And so I hope that you're experiencing that as well. And uh, Another thing you can do for me, I'm going to do it right now while I'm sitting here, is if you're watching this podcast on BGTV Studios Facebook Live, just go ahead and share it to your own page because you got a lot of people that are your friends on social media that aren't mine. And so if everybody watching will just share it to their own page, it'll help uh, get the message out, get it in, in front of more people. Um, what was really on my heart to talk about tonight in the, in the 20 minutes that we would have remaining is uh, don't go back. Don't go back. That's what the Lord spoke to me. I, I, I shared a message some time back. I don't remember how long ago it was. It was just in my mind, no going back. No going back. Once we've, once we've decided, once, and I say decided what I really mean, once we've yielded 
to the call of the Holy Spirit. The, he, he, he's drawing us to a place of submission and surrender. Don't go back. Luke chapter 9, I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. Verse 62, this is out of the Passion Translation. Jesus responded and he said, Why do you keep looking back to your past and have second thoughts about following me? If you turn back, you're not fit for God's kingdom. And, you know, man, we, we feel the call of God. And, and you know, you've heard for, year, for years how salvation's free. And, and, and it is a free gift. Don't misunderstand anything I'm saying. Uh, but it's going to cost you everything you have. Because what God is calling you to is a complete sellout, a complete all-in with every aspect of your life. He's calling you to 100% yield and surrender and submit to him, his word, his will, his plan, and to the person of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think a little bit of fear or trepidation starts to, to creep in and, and we start feeling some anxiety and we start feeling, you know, can I really do this? And, and, and if I do this, what's it going to look like? And, and how's it going to affect my, my family? How's it going to affect my job? How's it going to affect my relationships? And, and fear tries to keep in. I shared a message this past Sunday in our joint service uh, about um, no fear, no fear. It's been said, and, and, and many of us in ministry have said it. I know I've said it through the years. Probably people in this room have said it. We won't take a, a straw poll or anything. But uh, for years it's been said that fear is the opposite of faith. But I remember years ago, uh, Pastor Rick Owsley was at our church, and he was speaking to our folks, and, and he, he shared that statement, and he said, you know, that's not true. He said, fear is not the opposite of faith. He said, no faith is the opposite of faith. And if you think about it, I know there have been times in my life where I was doing something in faith or by faith, and yet there was still a certain level of fear. There was still a certain level of worry, certain level of anxiety. I heard Joyce Meyer years ago say, sometimes you just got to do it afraid. I heard Kenneth Hagin years ago say this. He said, sometimes you, you got to start out in the natural before things shift over into the spiritual. And so there's, there's some truth to that, I believe, that uh, we, we just need to do what God's leading us to do. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to know what his word says. We need to know what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And, and we need to go after it and understand that, that as God proves himself faithful over and over and over and over and over again, we'll move beyond that place of fear into a place of greater faith. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God's not given us a spirit of fear. So any kind of fear that's trying to attach itself to us, it's not coming from God. Instead, he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. So I'm talking about no going back. I want to read a couple of scriptures from you. I was talking with another pastor this morning, Steve Sullivan, pastor of Oak Grove Church at Springville. Spent a couple hours with him and his son Patrick this morning up in Springville, and Steve had posted some things out of Philippians chapter 3 over the last few days. My favorite book in the Bible, Pastor Leslie, is the book of Philippians. And my favorite chapter in the Bible is Philippians chapter 3. It just, it, it is. And here's what Philippians 3, 10 and 11, it, it, this is what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we know the Bible had many, uh, many secretaries, but only, only one author, and that's the Holy Spirit. It, here's what the Apostle Paul was moved to, to say and, and, and to write, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection the participation of his sufferings, or King James says the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. Listen, this thing that God is calling us to, it's not a halfway thing. It's, uh, it's not, we, we've done this through the years and, and we didn't mean anything by it, but it's kind of a stupid thing when you think about it. We've talked about our spiritual life and our natural life. Well, we're spirit beings. 
we don't have a spiritual life and a natural life. We have one life, and it's all spiritual. You know, we, we have bodies, but one day if Jesus tarries, they're going to die, and, and praise God, we're going to get a new one, a glorified one. And, and we have a soul, our mind, our will, and emotions where thoughts are processed, and, and all these things happen. But who we really are is a spirit being. The Bible says inward man, hidden man of the heart, spirit man, all these terms that are used for who we really are. And, and who we really are is heaven ready. Right this very moment, we could go and be in the presence of God and feel completely justified by it because of what Jesus has done, because of the finished work. And, and so we, we want to be like him. We, we don't want to... Um, use him as a get out of hell free cards you know we we don't want to see how much like the world we can live and still make it into heaven my friend and mentor charlie kane years ago said let's don't live like that he said let's go after god so hard that when they open the gate we just fall in because we've been pressing against it and then paul went on to say in philippians 3 the next three verses on the heels of that statement he said not that i've already obtained all of this or have arrived already at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have been there. That's the Apostle Paul talking. I don't feel like I've arrived yet. I don't feel like I've gotten there. And I know everybody watching this show feels that way often. But I do one thing, he said. I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Philippians instructs us to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. It's a serious thing to be in covenant with God. It's a serious thing to be in relationship. And what he's asking from you is everything you've got. And that sounds like a steep price, but then when you consider what he's giving to you, everything he's got. And it's a no-brainer there. Why would I try to hold on to what I have when I can have everything he has? It's, it's the great exchange, and trust me, we came out way better in this deal. We're talking about not going back. Joshua said this. He, he said in Joshua 24, 15, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then you decide for yourselves who you're going to serve. And he went through the list. God, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites. And this day we could say, you know, whatever gods you're going to serve, you're going to serve the God of this culture, the God of this world, the God of this system. You're going to serve the God of government. You're going to serve the God of business. You're going to serve the God of fame and notoriety. I mean, go ahead today and decide who you're going to serve. But Joshua said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And what God's calling us to, man, is a complete, Surrender to him, to his will, his plan. All we are surrendered and giving to him with this thought, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And your Bible is full of examples of people who just decided, I've had enough. I'm going after God and I'm not going back. And I hope that you've reached that place in your life. And if you haven't, I hope you reach it very soon. I know there have been areas in my life where I've just cried out to God and said, God, I'm not going back. I remember sitting in my basement office in my former house. This was years ago, man, probably 18 years ago. And, and just thinking on all the anger that I had in my heart. I'm pastoring a church at this time. I've been in ministry for years at this time. And all this anger and urgh, just inside of me. And I just did not want it anymore. And I just shouted out in my basement, God, I don't want to live like this another day. I don't want this. And you could substitute anger for any of the things that you're dealing with or that you're struggling with or that, that, that have stolen your focus and stolen your joy and stolen your peace. 
But I did. I said, I, I don't want this another day. And God began to move and do some things, connect me with some people, put me in situations. And, and, and I tell people this. I said, I, honestly, for the last 13 years, I get irritated at stuff, sure. But to really feel anger, I don't think I felt it in 13 years. Mm. After feeling it my entire life. Our Bible's full of examples. Man, if you know the story of the woman with the issue of blood, if you don't know any of these stories, then, then go read them. I'm going to tell you where you can find it. Matthew 9, Mark 5, Luke 8. A woman who had spent 12 years and spent, the Bible says, everything that she has, which says to me that she was a pretty wealthy woman because it took me about 12 minutes to spend everything I had. <laughs> Took her 12 years. And she had heard about Jesus, and she said, made a decision. You know what? I know this isn't... I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to be here. I have this condition. I have this bleeding. I'm not even supposed to be around these people. I'm certainly not supposed to go touch that guy. But she didn't care about any of that stuff, man. She said, I got to get to him because he's got what I need. Jairus, you can read about him in those same chapters, Mark 5, Matthew 9. The Syrophoenician woman, you can read about in Matthew 15, Mark 7. Blind Bartimaeus, you can read about in Mark 10. The, the blind guy in, in John chapter 9. Man, there. Bible is full of people that just made a decision. We're going after God, and we are not going back. I love the, the story. You guys may be familiar with it. Some of you may not. You can find it in 1 Kings 19. Uh, Elijah, it says he went out and he found Elijah uh, plowing in a field, and he had 12 teams of oxen, and, and he was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over and just threw his cloak on his shoulders and walked away. Elijah left the ox standing right there. He ran after Elijah. He said, all right, let me, let me go kiss my father and my mother goodbye. Then I'll go with you. And Elijah said, go on, do whatever you want to do. The Bible said Elijah returned to his oxen. He slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to his town people. They all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Why am I sharing that tonight when I'm talking about go, no going back? Because he didn't leave himself anything to go back to. He said, this is what I've been doing. This is what I've been dependent on. The call of God has just come on me, and here's my response. I'm slaughtering the oxen. I'm, 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 I'm breaking the wood into pieces. I'm burning it. I'm not leaving myself something to fall back to. He faithfully responded. He was faithful to follow. He didn't leave anything to go back. Romans 13, verse 14 says this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let me say something to you, and I can say this to you of a certainty. If you leave room for, if you leave room for the flesh, if you leave provision, if you leave something to fall back on, you're going to fall back on it. I 100% guarantee you. If you leave yourself an out, you're going to take that out. If you leave yourself something on the side, if, if this doesn't work out, I can always go back to this, then you're going to go back to that. What God is calling us to is a 100% full surrender, full trust, all of our faith in him. You know, that same guy, Elisha, that, that, that made no provision when the day came that Elijah was going to be taken away in a whirlwind, he was right there with Elijah. Elijah tried to discourage him, tried to run him off. He wouldn't. His friends were a part of the school of prophets. They would say, hey, the Lord's taking your master today. They were trying to discourage him. He wouldn't go away. Matter of fact, he said to Elijah, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. He took that call very seriously. You know the story, the end result. The mantle of Elijah fell to the ground. Elisha picked it up, struck the waters, and said, where is the God of Elijah? 
and went out and the Bible records twice as many miracles in his life and in his ministry as what we saw in Elijah. We're talking about not going back. You need to make that your mantra, if you will, your slogan. Seal it in your head. When you get up in the mornings and you look at yourself in that mirror, just say, I am not going back. I am not returning to what I once was. I'm not going back to drugs. I'm not going back to alcohol. I'm not going back to pornography. I'm not going back to bad habits of any sort. I'm not going back to lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating. I am not going back. If God's called me in a new direction, do something new with my life, I'm not even going back to that job, even though it was a great source for me during the season of my life. And even though the, the income was great, it, God has called me to something else. And even though I know that is there, I have decided that it's not there for me. And so I'm not going back. And as we show ourselves to be faithful, prove ourselves to be faithful, we'll hear the same thing that, 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 that those guys heard in Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'll put you in charge of many things. Here's my question. We're going to wrap up in about five minutes. Here's my question. Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to go back? What is it in your past that was so great that would be worth turning away from the, the kingdom, turning away from God's grace, turning away from the anointing that's on your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. What exactly is it that is worth that? Why would you want to go back? James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Why would you want to go back? There's a crown of life promised for you. Why do you want to go back? Why do you want to go back? We talked last week about being uncommon. The uncommon person does daily what anyone can but most won't. Let's be uncommon. Let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's, at a starting point, let's do the things we know that we can do. I was praying in uh, last week of July uh, 2017. I was in Costa Rica. I was telling the Lord about some circumstances in my life, as if he didn't know. And, 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 you know, Lord, when I get back home, this is what my life looks like. And I don't have any money. I don't have this. I don't know what to do. And the Lord just very simply, he said, listen, you do what you know to do. I'll take care of the rest. And I have to remind myself of that from time to time that I heard a spoken word from the Lord. I heard it in my spirit. The Holy Spirit said to me, you do what you already know to do. I'll take care of the rest. I'll make sure everything falls in line. We're living in a, in a time where we're, it's not, we're not about to see a great shaking, shaking happening. It's already happening. And those who can't be shaken loose are the ones that have decided... I'm not going back. God is faithful. Why would you want to go back? Isaiah 55, 11, God said his word that comes out of his mouth. It's not going to return back to him void. It's going to accomplish what he wants, and it's going to prosper in the area that he intended to prosper in. Why do we want to go back? Numbers 23, 19 says, God's not a man. He should lie, nor the son of man that he should change. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he spoken it? Will he not make it good? Why would we want to go back? 2 Timothy 2, 13 even when we abideth not, King James said. I threw that in there for my mom so she'd be happy that I shared King James. Even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Revelation 19.11 said he's got a name. It's called Faithful and True. Why would we turn back?
What is there? And so here's my encouragement to you tonight as we get ready to wrap up the podcast. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, if you haven't already, share this to your page. Uh, hit the like button. Share a comment. Let us know what spoke to your minister to you tonight. Let us know uh, where you're watching from, that kind of thing. Be sure after we're done to go over to YouTube and, and subscribe to the BGTV Studios page. And I look forward to seeing you again here next week. But I, I just want to encourage you, if there's any area in your life that you just haven't given to God, you kind of got it. It's still over there, and you know it's over there. And maybe you're not pursuing it, and maybe you're not even tempted to, to go that direction, but you know if, if things get difficult, you can always go back. If things get difficult, you can always go to this thing. You need to kill that thing, man. You need to bring it to the Lord. You need to put it at the altar. You need to lay it on the ground at his feet, and you need to say, Lord, I've been, I've been saving this thing off to the side in case I decided I didn't want to see this thing through, but I, I don't want to do that. Here's what we need to be like. I'll leave you an image. If you're my age, this will speak to you. If you're younger, you may not have even seen this, but uh, I grew up watching Looney Tunes. That was my favorite cartoon, and I remember Elmer Fudd, you know, he's chopping on a tree and Bugs Bunny runs out on the branch and, and then Elmer starts sawing the, the branch off and he saws the branch completely free from the tree and the branch is still hanging suspended in midair with Bugs standing on it and the tree falls. And I think about that sometimes. That's, just, that's what we need to do. We need to get out on that branch and by faith we just need to saw the branch off from the tree so that we don't have a way of escape to return to what we used to be or what we used to do, but that we put ourselves in a position that we don't have any choice but to trust God by faith. <laughs> Thanks for joining me tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everybody that's watching this, whether they're watching it live or, or catching it somewhere down the road, Father, that there'll be something said tonight that stirs their heart, uh, that, that brings a, a level of encouragement and and I pray, God, that you, you move in each and every one of us through the person of the Holy Spirit to stir our hearts to want to move closer to you, to want to experience more intimacy with you, to, to, to not have a fallback plan, to not have a, well, I can go here, I'm going to, that we're just all in with you, God, and we put it all in, that, that everything about our lives is now connected with you and dependent on you. Do it in us, Father, in Jesus' name. You have a great night. God bless you.